Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name again. I invite you to open your Bibles to Philippians 4. And I want to notice a couple of verses, uh, 6 and 7. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. A familiar pair of verses about prayer. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Mark 11, where Jesus cursed the fig tree. And Jesus taught a lesson about the power of believing prayer, the prayer of faith. And there Jesus said, have faith in God. For I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And we went with the interpretation that the mountain signifies great and perplexing difficulties. And that if we pray in faith, God will help us. Either he will move that mountain, help us over or through that mountain. Somehow it will be solved and cast into the sea, as it were. And we considered that our faith is in God, not in some superstitious uh, saying of words. Our faith is in God. And we have faith in a God who hears our prayers. And He cares about us and our needs. And He is able to help us. He is, has abundant power and wisdom, and no problem is unsolvable. And He works in our behalf. And sometimes when we pray, the answers come immediately. In Isaiah, it says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Now that's wonderful when things like that happen. It's, uh, it's amazing. It inspires awe in us. But what do we do when we have prayed? And we have prayed fervently. And we have prayed desperately. Believing. And the fire has not fallen. And the waters did not part. And the lame sister did not rise up and walk. 
and the unemployed brother still hasn't got a job offer, and the baby is still sick, and the conflict is still unresolved. Whatever the problem is, it's still there, and as vexing as ever. And what are we to do then? This morning I want us to think about the peace of believing prayer. There is a there is a rest, a peace, a place of security and comfort that I believe that God wants us to experience in prayer. Distress isn't wrong. Being burdened to the point of anguish is human. And it can drive us to our knees. Or we can choose to respond in other ways. But it can drive us and should drive us to our knees to cry out to God and to plead with Him. And we read of godly people in the Bible that prayed earnestly. Abraham heard from God that judgment was going to fall on Sodom. And he was distressed for a lot. It doesn't say uh, really anything there about his emotions. But the way he approached God, we can sense that this was a real burden to him. And very soon, well, the next morning, I guess, he saw a pillar of fire and smoke. Hannah longed so much to have a child. Daniel was burdened for the sin of his people and for Jerusalem lying in ruins and the temple destroyed. And Paul travailed, it uses that word in the uh, King James, for the churches. And he was anguished for his lost kinsmen, the Jews. Christine Laws is a writer who has published some things with Christian Light. In about the middle of last month, she sent an email to a number of acquaintances of hers saying that she had a suspicious lump that the doctor was concerned about. And she said, please pray that this will turn out to be benign. So I responded and I promised that I would and uh, the note was kind of anxious understandably and I just I emailed her to uh, see how she was doing and she replied well I've had a lot of ups and downs. A fierce besetting sin of mine is worry." And this situation, this in all caps, this situation has tested me like no other. There's a strong link between mental and physical health. When I'm at peace, I feel good. When I'm worrying, I feel bad. I read the Bible, listen to sermons, try to think on true things. But worry is a lifetime habit. And it pursues me like a mad dog. The good I put in my mind helps, but I wish I could just crumple up this worry and toss it into the fire like a first draft poem. 
know, many of us can identify with what she is experiencing. Uh, on the 26th, she had an evaluation, and she said, reported to her prayer list, that things look bleak. And then just a few days ago, she sent a follow-up announcement. Unfortunately, this morning, I received a phone call informing me that I have breast cancer, and it has spread to her lymph nodes. So they're going to do chemo and a double mastectomy, and then more chemo, she thinks, and reconstructive surgery. So she would really appreciate our prayers and words of encouragement. May God, she said, who continues to be good, richly bless you all. So she is uh, at a difficult spot. And health, and we have those kind of needs among us, and we prayed for them this morning. But that's only one kind of burden, one kind of distress that we may face. And we find them all through the Bible. God's people experiencing just very extremely difficult times. And some not-so-difficult things. You know, an axe falling into the river, and then the Lord bringing it up. That's a wonderful thing, but that axe was replaceable. And, you know, in the list of miracles in the Scriptures, that's a wonderful one, but not as significant as some others. And we have those kind of things in our lives today. And God would have us pray about those things that burden us, be they large or small. Be anxious for nothing, we read, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm reading from the uh, New King James. So verse 6 is about praying, and he says we should. Don't just, don't just collapse in panic. Pray. But then the second verse is about an amazing peace that surpasses all understanding. And I'd like to think about some of the things that are part of that kind of prayer and part of uh, reaching that kind of peace. And the first one is surrender. Jesus was God. Jesus was man. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, we're familiar with that account, he prayed earnestly so that he swept as it were drops of blood. And he prayed, is there some way that I can be spared from this cup of suffering? But then we remember he reached the place where he said, not my will, but thine be done. Surrender to the Father's will, to the Father's plan. And 
I believe the angels ministered to him there. And when he returned to sleepy Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples, Jesus was ready to uh, meet the mob. And it seems in reading that account of the crucifixion, uh, it was a horrible experience, but somehow Jesus comes through more calm and more steady than anyone else around him. Be the disciples who fled in fear, or the angry mob, or the scribes and Pharisees, the Jews who hated him, or Pilate who was in control, in quotes. Uh, we talked about Paul a little bit a couple weeks ago in the message and about his thorn in the flesh and how he three times had asked God to spare him from that, what he called a messenger of Satan. But God said no. That was how God answered that prayer. He said no. But I will give you an answer to your prayer. I will throw that mountain into the sea. I'll give you a grace that is more than sufficient. And Paul accepted that. He surrendered to that. And he experienced that grace. And he rejoiced in that grace. And he was at rest. So we pray and we struggle and we lay out our need to God. But at some point, we want to say, not my will, but thine be done. This is what I would like to see, God. This is what I plead for. This is what I believe would be a good thing. But it's in your hands. And you see more and you know more and you have a greater purpose in all of this. And I give it to you. May your will be done. And that is a step toward experiencing this peace. Now there's some things we can be distressed about, I should add, that we, uh, that we should not surrender to. If we're praying about a overcoming a temptation or finding victory, over a besetting sin, we don't pray, uh, Lord, I just give up and I surrender here. We should be praying, Thy will be done, and I want to do Your will, give me grace to do it. But there are some things we, we don't give up our, and we don't give up our prayer. But, but it's a, a different kind of a thing than a thorn in the flesh or an anguishing problem that we're facing. So surrender. And then a second piece of finding this peace is expectancy. And I think that should be a part of all our prayers. We pray in faith, believing. We wait in faith, believing. We believe that God heard our prayer. 
He cares. He is able. And He will work. Something is going to happen. We may have no idea what it is or how it will happen or how the answer will come in a different way than we imagined or even asked specifically for. But the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Our prayers reached God. And something is going to move in heaven and on the earth. Something that wouldn't have happened without our prayer. That's the way I understand our praying and prayer. Certainly God works in the world, in earth. He sustains creation. He moves in the hearts of kings. And He accomplishes His great purposes. But He calls on us to pray. And He says that those prayers make a difference. So we pray. Certainly something happens in our hearts when we pray that way. But maybe it will also affect someone else's heart, depending on our prayer. And maybe it will change our circumstances or the circumstances of someone else. In Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. The night watchman of the city waited for the morning. He wasn't just putting in time. He was waiting for warmth. He was waiting for hope, for a light, and he had hope. He had confidence that it was coming. The sun is dependable. It comes around. We're expecting something from God. We can be tempted to give up. Or we can be tempted to put our hope in other things. Uh, an employer, a friend's help, a church's help, a doctor's help. But we're praying to God, and we want to be expecting from Him. A third, a third factor, part of reaching peace, is waiting on the Lord. Now these, these things that I'm saying could all be in one category of waiting on the Lord. I put a little more more to especially emphasize um, those first couple, expectancy and um, and uh, what was the first one? Pardon? Surrender. Thank you. But waiting on the Lord, and I have a number of little parts to this one, but to emphasize to us that waiting on the Lord is not just putting in time and waiting casually and waiting um, thoughtlessly for God to do something. But it is waiting on God. Therefore, 
I will look to the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. Micah 7, 7. So what are the things that are happening while we are waiting on the Lord? One thing, waiting on the Lord means worship. There's a number of times in the Bible, and we saw it in that in that scripture we started with, where it says, with thanksgiving, doing something with thanksgiving. I will praise him, the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Continue earnestly in prayer, Colossians 4.2. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. We thank the Lord. We praise the Lord. We worship him. That's part of waiting on the Lord. We're conscious of the Lord. And when we're conscious of the Lord, we're worshiping Him. Waiting on the Lord means that something is happening within me. We're walking with Him. When we read the Bible, it speaks to us. When we pray, He works in our hearts. We meditate on God. We meditate on His truths. We find His direction. We find answers. And sometimes God allows disappointments to come. He talks about that in Romans 12. To just help us as chastening, just to help us to refocus and to strengthen our faith. In Isaiah 30, verses, uh, there's some, several verses there, promises and, and purpose of God, beginning with verse 18. Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted, that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Jerusalem, in Zion at Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore. But your eyes shall see your teachers. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. So we see uh, that God here used adversity. The sound of your cry, the bread of adversity, and the water of affliction. But he promises that if they turn to him, that he will be gracious to them. And you shall weep no more. And He will answer you. And He will be gracious to you. And He will have mercy on you. God is doing things in us 
as we wait on Him. Waiting on the Lord means not running ahead. You know, on the one hand, we are to rest uh, and be still. There are things to do, but we don't want to run ahead of the Lord and take matters into our own hands. For example, there's the scripture in 1 Peter 3, where it instructs the wives to be submissive to their own husbands, and that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe how well they live the Christian life. But a wife living with an unchristian husband may, instead of praying and doing like the Scripture teaches here in Peter, she may pray, in quotes, and take matters into her own hands. She may lecture him about sinful habits. She may nag him about going to church. And she may complain that he's not a better husband. Not waiting on the Lord. Not being a godly example that she should be, that God could use. And she may instead, by her impatience and her selfishness, be driving her husband further from the Lord. Instead of running ahead, we see those examples in the Bible too sometimes. Saul, Sarah, and others. Instead of doing that, we pray and do what is before us to do as God provides opportunity for us. Sometimes, by God's grace, we're part of the answers to our prayers, that He would use us in the, in the thing we've just been praying about, the need we've just been praying about. And suddenly, something opens up for us. Maybe to have a conversation with somebody, or to help them in some way, or do something that in some way uh, affects and does something for someone else. Or it may be in our own situation that there's a door here suddenly to go through that changes things. We watch for that. We wait for that. But waiting on the Lord means not running ahead. Waiting on the Lord means patience and contentment. Paul knew all about that. He said in Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care of me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. So there was help coming. Not that I speak in regard to need, he goes on, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, 
both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when things weren't going well and he didn't have enough to eat and he prayed for uh, food and sustenance and grace and there wasn't any help coming from Philippians yet, but then it did come. But while he didn't have it, he was content. I think he prayed something along the order of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. So here he was in short supply. And he was waiting on the Lord. But he was contented with the situation as it was. And I thought too of the uh, scripture in Revelation talking about a time that is far worse than we know right now in, uh, in Revelation 13, verse 9 and 10. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword, describing a terrible time in the tribulation. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. In this tribulation, there's a call to patient endurance. Contentment, endurance, impatience, patience. And waiting on the Lord means we take heart. We don't succumb to discouragement. Be strong and take courage. Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 31. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All you who hope in the Lord. Second Corinthians four, verse sixteen. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding internal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we resist fretting, anger, frustration, but take heart as we wait on the Lord, thinking about God and who He is. And waiting on the Lord means continuing in prayer. 
continue earnestly in prayer. We read this verse a few minutes ago. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Jesus told about the, the, the story about the uh, man who was woken in the night and by someone needing bread. And Jesus said, because he was persistent, he was given bread. We continue our prayer in faith. And then there is that peace. Be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This peace that we experience, the peace of believing prayer, this peace is, is communion with God. It is nothing less than the presence of God in our hearts. Like God said to Moses in Mount Sinai, He said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. This was Moses after he pled with God. He had a difficult assignment, uh, an impossible assignment, to lead this, this uh, stubborn bunch of Hebrews through the wilderness. And he said, I cannot go alone. And God said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Jesus said in John 15, Abide in me and I in you. That's what that is. That is that peace. It strengthens us. It strengthens our faith. It strengthens our fruitfulness. And it is a defense. It will guard our hearts. It is a like a fort around our heart. It protects us from Satan's condemnation and from temptation. Concerns and distresses can become fretful fears and terrors that cripple our confidence and make us frustrated and irritable or even angry and complaining and grumbling. If we allow them to, if we just look at them and respond to them, they're discouraging. But if we take them as signals to pray, as signals to carry 
to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication come to God. Believing prayer, it can make a difference in us and around us and brings us to a place of rest and peace and closer to God. There is a song that we sing, a very familiar song that we sing sometimes. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. When Jesus came, when Jesus was born, the angels announced his coming, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace through this, this newborn Savior. And when he left the earth, peace was promised. Peace I leave with you, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. May God help us. Shall we have a song?